Hi, everyone. Welcome to Radio MVP Sports, episode number two of the podcast. I'm Tim Constanza with Anthony Kepley, bringing you today's uh, news in sports. A lot going on. Of course, the NCAA brackets and NCAA tournament going on. My brackets are trash. Uh, many brackets are trash. I only filled out four this year, and none of them uh, are, are surviving right now. We're going to get also into uh, Bernie Kosar. He made a, uh, a bad taste joke today uh, about... Dwight Clark's ALS. Just a little get into that in a small bit. And, of course, we'll get more into YSU's head basketball coach search as uh, 10 people have officially applied for the opening at YSU, and we'll get into that. But right now, let's bring in my partner, Anthony. And uh, how are you doing today, bud? Oh, Tim, it's great to be back this week and uh, looking forward to talking more about tournament. Uh, that's getting geared up for, uh, for the Final Four next weekend. And then uh seems, again, uh, Bernie Kozar likes to ramble on when – Maybe he should push a stop button. And, uh, yeah, I think we're going to have a uh, coach at uh, Youngstown State by tax day. So hopefully we have a little more clarity coming up within the next couple of days here. Um, it looks like uh, Cleveland State has made their hire. Yes. Uh, <laughs> they hired Dennis Felton, um, former Western Kentucky and Georgia head coach. Uh, Felton with the Hilltoppers went 154 and led him to three straight Conference USA titles, I believe. Um, or no, Sunbelt, excuse me. Um, they lost in the first round each time, but still qualifying, qualifying for the, for the tournament at a program again. that at the time was about YSU size, who had a really good football program then. Um, and then he was hired uh, to Georgia, where he made the NIT twice, and in 2007-2008 he advanced to the first round of the NCAA tournament. Uh, a year later, he was fired midway through the season after 20 games, starting 0-5 in Southeastern Conference play. Um, Felton is a good hire. Uh, don't get me wrong. He's a really good basketball coach. Um, it's a safe hire for them. Yeah, it's a safe I, hire. I think it's more along the lines of the Gary Waters, say. Yeah. And, you know, that's what this opening would, would attract. A guy with experience who has had success at the Division I level who's looking to rebuild his career. You know, it's definitely not a place where you're going to leap to from a successful program to another, unless you're coming from Division Two or a small Division One school, you know, uh, from the East Coast or, you know, down south somewhere. And those do happen. You just don't find them that often. You know, they're going to look for a guy who had Mac experience, who had Sunbelt experience, something like that. The people that uh, they compete against – within uh, Northeast Ohio and the state of Ohio for recruits and opening. You know, I, I heard a discussion earlier this week. It was pretty interesting. Someone was discussing just the, the two openings of Youngstown and uh, Cleveland State, and which one would you prefer? And I immediately said Cleveland State because, again, I've always said, you know, that's their economic engine. They're going to put the their time, money, and effort behind that program to make it successful, while Youngstown State has uh, – an opportunity to make that out of the basketball program, but has not really achieved that over the last 30 years. And interesting enough, they're both the, the opinion came back as uh, Youngstown was a more appealing opening. And that mainly because it wasn't in a big market and that they could probably fly underneath the, uh, the radar a little bit and make things the, you know, their own program and be successful. And the big reason again, and this is not a big surprise they point to Jim Tressel as president, who has been a head coach at Division One in Youngstown State, and what he's done with Bo Pelini in the two years that he has, you know, come to Youngstown and what he has achieved. You know, that was the main purpose that they're saying. You know, you have a president who understands athletics and what it takes to win. And I thought it was a legitimate point. I think looking over the last thirty years and not seeing the success was uh, kind of short-sighted on that part, but. I don't disagree with their point of view. I just not necessarily uh, 100% agreement. I think I'd give it like a 60% agreement, 70% agreement. I understand their thought process. I don't necessarily know it's it's 100% accurate. I would say the Youngstown State job is more appealing. Um, maybe that's because my red and white blinders are on, um, and I'm not going to take them off. But also you look at... Um, Right now, currently, yes, uh, Cleveland State has had more success in the past couple years. Uh, they won an NCAA tournament game a couple years ago. 
beating Wake Forest, I believe. Um, but currently, right now, YSU's riding a wave of momentum that they haven't seen in a couple years, and they bring back, arguably, the preseason Horizon League Conference Player of the Year in Cameron Morris, a really good point guard in Santiago. Um, and I do think it, it's intriguing to where you don't have to be the big dog on campus. I agree. I think that that has a legitimate point to it. And, you know, look, I've I've been critical of the Youngstown State basketball program for many years. And my criticism is not necessarily in the coaching staff or the players who, you know, put on the uniform and have uh, performed. My criticism has always been at the uh, athletic administration and the school administration level of what they want out of the program. You know, I mentioned it before, and, and it on some it was etched in my brain 20 years ago when I talked to Dan Peters, and he explained that to me. He goes, you know, it's not necessarily what I want. It's not necessarily what the kids want. It's not necessarily what the coaching staff wants. We're all going to strive to be the best we can and to achieve the highest levels. But it also de- you have to determine what the university wants out of the program. And I believe right now that's the decision of the university in this next hire whoever that person may be is probably asking the same question, has to be asking the same questions of the university because it's important. Now, it has been reported that 10 individuals have uh, formally applied for the position during the week. As of Monday, March 20th, those who applied was LaShawn McDaniels, David Ruglin, David Smith, Daniel Sancombe, and Dylan Howard, David Buchanan, Scott Sorensen, Michael, was it Jant? And uh, Mike Mahon. And Dan Fisher. Yeah, the only name now, I briefly looked at those names. Now, don't get me wrong. They're all very good coaches. Each one have had success in one form or the other. Uh, the one name that jumps out to me is David Raglan. He was a former Northern Kentucky assistant who was just hired this year at Valparaiso by Matt Lodick. And he has had a history of developing really good guards. And that's YSU strength. That will always be YSU strength. Right. Ex- especially right now, but he also knows the Horizon League. And if history repeats itself, the YSU women's program did that when they needed to replace Bob Bolden, and they went to go get John Barnes from Wisconsin Green Bay. And what John Barnes has done at YSU is simply incredible. I agree. I mean, he's kept it rolling. He's brought in great young ladies to run the, you know, his, his program. And they've been successful. I know this past year, injury bug got into them. You know, look, you're not going to win every year. I don't care what school you're at. Just impossible. But the bottom line is, took over a very, very good program from Bolin and then just continued to run with it and uh, made it his program and has been very successful. And that's exactly what YSU, I mean, the women's program needs to be successful. It's another economic engine for this athletic program. And it has to be the stable point of the women's programs because it's going to help supply opportunities for all the other programs that they have like the volleyball program and golf and many other programs that we don't talk about that are you know part of the NCAAs at Youngstown State it's just that it's important to have a flagship team to root for a flagship team that you know that everyone talks about and the women's basketball is that for the women's sports at Youngstown State now don't get me wrong David Raglan is a very good coach I watched him close this year uh, being a Valparaiso alum, but the one knock on him is he doesn't have head coaching experience. And I think right now where YSU is as a program, they've made it known that they want a guy with head coaching experience. And while the Horizon League experience could be a big factor, I think they would choose a guy with head coaching experience over a guy with conference experience right now. I agree. And I think it has to be that way. And we talked about it last week briefly, but the ones who did not have head co- coaching experiences prior to being hired at YSU have not succeeded at all. They failed in every direction in numbers, wins and losses. Those who've had head coaching success have had moderate success here. Obviously, you know, Rice having a winning record, Dan Peters having a very good run. Uh, it was about 10 games under 500 in his run. And then you look at Jerry Slocum, who brought stability to the program when it needed it the most, had a couple winning seasons along the way. And, you know, it, he brought exactly what the university wanted when they needed it most, stability and a guy with head coaching experience. So you look at in the last 30 years where the experience have come, 
and where the team has had or the school has had the best success. It's been a, someone with, with head coaching experience. And I think, again, that's going to be a very big part of this next hire. And I know we talk about other names that weren't mentioned. And uh, Yeah, I think from what I've been reading and hearing, there is a clear-cut favorite, um, and I believe that's Jared Calhoun, uh, the head coach at Fairmont State, who coincidentally is a Cleveland State alum, um, which is kind of surprising that his former alma mater didn't go after him, but... You they look, know their basketball program more than you and I. Yeah, so. but you look at Cleveland State's history. They've always hired Division One coaches. They've always hired a Division One coach who either is on a rebound or trying to make a name for himself for the first time, in a sense. And that's exactly what they're going to do here. And that's what they did. I think Calhoun is the favorite at YSU. I mean, you look what he's doing right now in the attorneys, and you look at his success rate. I think you said he only lost 16 games in the last three games. He is 81 and 16 the past three years at Fairmont State. With his worst finish the past three years, a Sweet 16 appearance. I mean, yeah. and this year they're one win away from a national championship, and, and they have two losses this year. Right, and obviously you can't talk to him until his season's over. No school's going to allow that, and nor should they. And, uh, you know, obviously this search may go a little bit longer. They may be able to talk to him, but not officially. And uh, we'll have to wait and see. But I definitely believe Calhoun got to be the guy leading the pack here. I think there may be a second or third choice out of these 10 names that we mentioned. But I'm not necessarily thinking these 10 names are going to be the only 10 names to choose from. If I were Ron Strollo and knowing Ron personally... Ron will hire the best candidate available, and I think he... you got to cover your bases. Yeah. I mean, that's I hate saying that because it sounds like you're getting second best, but you're not. you got to go through the process. Learning the process, working through the process is a huge part of a hire at, the, at this type of school, a Youngstown State-sized school, because they have certain ways they do it. They have to go through the process. They want to see who's available. They want to see who they may be able to approach and see if they... We have interest, and, uh, you know, Calhoun's name's come up from the very beginning. I definitely believe he's the choice, the number one choice. We'll wait and see. They may, there may be a, uh, a guy in the wing that we don't know about, or there might be a guy here on this list who's going to get an interview who will blow them away, which is very possible. It can happen. Jim Trestle got the job at Youngstown State because he blew everybody away. That's how he got the job down at Ohio State. He blew everybody away in his interviews. So it's possible, and I don't deny that possibility. And I think that is uh, going to be huge for Youngstown State in the next 10 days. And I, I really don't think you're going to talk to Calhoun until his season ends, and that might be another two weeks. If you haven't caught Fairmont State and you're free tomorrow afternoon, give them a watch. I tuned in last night to their final four game against Bellarmine, and they absolutely blitzed a very good team. They play West Virginia, Louisville, VCU style, up-in-your-face, pressure, full-court, man-to-man defense, and I think that would absolutely be a home-run home run system with the Valley and its fans. Um, we love tough blue-collar guys, and they make it so uncomfortable for their opponents, and they average 96 points a game. And you're bringing that offense and that defense with Cam Morris, who I believe could play at a higher division one school. Yes. Watch the tournament this year of the 68 teams. I believe Cam Morris could get ample playing time on one of these teams. And I think that's what you're saying is correct. Everyone knows it's a point guard game in basketball in general, especially at the collegiate level. You have to have a guy who can be the general on the floor, who can shoot the ball, and can, and can run the offense, really be the, the, the assistant coach on the floor. And that's what good teams have. In college basketball today, the point guard is, is the most important position. It is the quarterback on the field. You need it on the court, and without it, teams struggle. When Youngstown State failed to have a high-caliber point guard, they failed in wins and losses. And this is the thing. Now that you have a guy who has that talent, and you can bring in a coach who potentially could bring in even more top-notch talent around him, that's the key. 
and that's the new opportunity. And you give a guy who has uh, experience at the coaching level that Calhoun has. I love it. I think it's it's, it's a good match. We'll see what happens. I think uh, expectations is that he's number one. I've been hearing that for about two weeks since the opening came about. And uh, we'll just have to wait for his season to end to find out. College basketball comes down to three things in March. A really good point guard, a good low post big man, and experience. If you look at all the teams remaining in this year's field and the past couple champions, they've all had those three things in common. And there's my phone going off, so then I'll turn it down. <laughs> a little ESPN there for you. Uh, not associated with. Just having fun. Is John Skipper coming to get you as a, <laughs> as a new anchor on SportsCenter, Tim? Yeah, you know what? They, they aren't going to need it. They're letting everyone go, but I don't want to be no anchor. <laughs> I'd be horrible at it. Even the ones they are terrible at it, I'd make them look good. So. You could replace Chris Berman. Yeah, they actually did that this week. Yes, Honor. and I think that's a home run hire. Uh, she, she is phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal on I'm college not real game day. With her. I know I've seen her, you know, report and do stuff like that, and I've never seen her host anything. So I, I, it's an interesting hire. I think it's out of the box, and that should be uh, really saluted and commended for doing. And it'll be interesting to see how it all works out. Her and uh, Susie Colbert will be doing it together. Yes, and Susie Colbert has probably been one of the best, if not the best. NFL reporters, yeah. She's earned her opportunity. Yes. She's been with ESPN, I, I, seems like forever. I say close to 20 years. And you look, I mean, of all the sports anchors out there, CBS, NBC, Fox, ESPN, the top two or three out of the top ten might be females. Aaron Andrews, yeah. uh, Michelle Tafoy on NBC is tremendous, and uh, Susie Colbert. So... No, and, and it's just a changing of, of the landscape of, of sports, you know, and that's that's not a bad thing. I think it was an interesting hire. I'm not saying it's a bad hire at all. I'm looking forward to see how she does. I'll be honest, the last few years, I have not watched pregame shows that much to begin with, and I haven't watched ESPN in about four or five years on their countdown shows, either on the Sunday countdown show or the Monday night show. I just don't watch pregame shows. That To me... Yeah, I already know what's going on. I know who's going to play, who's not going to play. I know um, what my the team I'm rooting for, and that's what I'm watching, is going to do. And if I'm playing fantasy that night, I know what players I'm watching for, for that reason only. So it's simple, and it's to the point. I don't watch a lot of that anymore. I just don't find a value in it personally. A lot of people still do. And I'm not saying it's wrong. I just, I personally don't watch that many pregame shows. I turn in about five minutes before kickoff or five minutes before tip-off and, and start watching my, uh, my sports. Well, with all due respect, the Browns aren't on national TV very often to get, <laughs> to get the uh, um, airtime. Yeah. Yeah. But um, no, I don't watch ESPN, CBS, or Fox. Um, pregame shows. Yeah. I I don't do it. Um, I'm as a Denver Broncos fan. I'll maybe tune into 8:50 KOA's pre and post game show. Um, more so the post game show after a win, because I really don't want to hear any more about the loss because it's very frustrating. But no, I don't really watch our pre and post game stuff. I know who's playing. I know. Yet that is a big part of uh, of sports today, and that's you know, hey, congratulations to. Uh, to her and we'll, we'll go on from there but you know looking back into uh what's going on in the world of sports here tonight uh, we're talking about the ncaa's we're down to the final 12 uh we had you know the sweet 16 kickoff last night or tip off i should say last night and uh interesting outcomes michigan's gone you know oregon with the big win uh right down to the wire and I thought Michigan was going to pull it out. I really did, and it just didn't happen and as uh, Oregon was able to hang on. I thought in the beginning of the year, Oregon was one of those teams I would not want to play. They're experienced. They were there last year in the Elite Eight, lost to Oklahoma. Uh, so the motivation is there. Um, and they got a dynamite backcourt. But when they lost Chris Boucher this year up front, their shot-blocking shot blocking presence in the middle... I thought that would kind of hold them back a little bit. But what Tyler Dorsey and Dylan Brooks have done lately is incredible. And they're yeah. one of the hottest teams in the country right now. 
And it's not far-fetched to think that the winner of the Kansas-Oregon game could be your national champion right now. It wouldn't shock me. And no, I agree. I mean, this when you're down to this level, it's just a matter of uh, really executing your game each and every night. You know, you have two small tournaments, two uh, mini tournaments back-to-back, the Sweet 16 to get down to the Final Four and the Final Four to the championship game. And, you know, so, you know, obviously you're going to have time to prepare going into next week. And then you, you just have the quick turnover from Saturday night to Monday night. But you're going to have an opportunity to put in your uh, your game plan for that. And that's going to be exciting no matter who's in the finals. It's always a great time in the Final Four. You know, Xavier, the story of the tournament right now with the win last night. Uh, who's seen that coming? I did not. No, definitely not. With them losing five games in a row in February um, and them losing arguably their best player in Sumner, point guard in the beginning of the year. What they've done beating Maryland. Now, Maryland was, were they overrated maybe? I don't know. I didn't watch enough Maryland this year to say. Florida State, they were better than Florida State. I don't pay attention to seeds. I don't. Seeds are thrown out the window. Those are dressed uh, to a pair of teams up and place them. But what Chris Mack has done at Xavier in the past eight years, three Sweet 16 appearances and Elite Eight. I don't know what you know. who's going to take him. Yes. Somebody's going to make an offer for him sooner or later. I mean, just like Thad Mata. You know, <laughs> it's just it's a matter of time. It happens. You know, when you're in that second-level Division One school, you have that opportunity to showcase your talent and your skills and your abilities and what they've done. And uh, his coaching staff has, has proven time and time again what they are about and what they have achieved each year. I mean, Xavier's done a great job. X is, is the place to be down in Cincinnati. Look at Xavier's past three coaches. And if you're a coach right now, or excuse me, an athletic director right now, of a big-time program that needs a head coach, why won't you look at Xavier's head coach? Thad Mata went to Ohio State and turn that team into a Final Four program. Sean Miller, what he's done in Arizona, now knock on him as he can't get to the Final Four. And now Chris Mack. Anybody that goes to Xavier, it seems to turn the gold. It's, it's, it's a doorway to a greater opportunities. And that's what, I mean, look, the Atlantic 10 is the Atlantic 10. I mean, they are a quality basketball programs in, in the Atlantic 10. But in the, in the end, it's a stepping stone for a lot of these coaches and opportunities. Now, you may get this, a guy who'll stay there forever. You know, you may find a, uh, a light for it. That happens, but it doesn't happen that much anymore. And the success he's had, it's got to bring, you know, eyeballs on it. You know, North Carolina State, I don't think they made their hire yeah, yet. Yeah, they have hired oh, uh, they okay. North Carolina Wilmington's Kevin Keats, okay. um, who I think yeah, is a home run hire, yeah. and the Wolfpack and should become very relevant soon in the ACC. Exactly. So that's what I'm talking about. These hires are going to come quickly, and you have to you know, look regionally to openings because they're going to look at someone who's had success, who knows the area, who understands what they're stepping into. It's difficult to go across country and take a job. You know, Steve Alford. I mean, everyone's mentioned his name down for uh, Indiana. And it may happen, but he also has UCLA. I mean, it's not like he does not have a great job. Yeah, and he also has, um, most of you know, the ball kids coming in. Right. Leangelo and... Yeah, they're going to be one and The, the other one, yeah. This, it's that's my name. Um, do I think Steve Alford goes to Indiana? I honestly don't know. If I'm Indiana, I look to Cincinnati and Xavier specifically and Chris Max my guy. I mean you don't have to sell me on him. I agree with you. I, I, I know what Xavier has done is great and what they continue to do is has been phenomenal over the last, you know, 10 12 years. Really ever go back, you know, prior to Thad Mata and everybody Skip else. Skip Prosser was there exactly. and won too. Yeah, no, they've had successful runs. They've been a very successful program. They've Again, there's a school who doesn't play football. You know, at the collegiate level, and they know what they're doing. Their basketball program is very important. They make the right hire every time, and they put a lot into it. Now, talking about Xavier and the the YSU opening, if they don't go down the Calhoun um, driveway or a road, now I'm throwing this out purely as entertainment value only. Purely entertainment value only. I say you hire Bill Murray's son. This way we get Bill Murray here in Youngstown cheering him on. 
You know, we'll, we'll give it an extra 500, maybe a thousand people come in to cheer with Bill. You know, we could we could tease them about being a Cubs fan, being here in Northeast Ohio, and have him wear that big big Y on his on his uh, <laughs> on his hat and on his shirt. It would be great. Now I don't think he's even going to be mentioned or anything. It's just pure entertainment value. There's the hire. That is the absolute hire if you're going to go uh, off the wall and off the uh, board. And uh, it'll never happen. It's not going to happen. It's just pure fun. But I, I love that thought. Let's, let's you know, if uh, YSU has some reason to make troubles in, in this hire, uh, they got to go to Xavier and go get it Murray. Could YSU <laughs> handle, and Youngstown as a whole, handle the personalities of Bo Pelini and Bill Murray? I mean, they would be must-see ESPNU Game of the Weeks on Friday and Saturday alone. Oh, my God. It'd be funny as hell. It'd be it's just hysterical. I know it's not going to happen. I know it's just a, it's just a silly thought. But um, it's it, I'll tell you what. Obviously, he's, he's building a career down at Xavier as an assistant. He's been there like three or four years now, I believe, as an assistant. And, uh, you know, his, his opportunity will come down the road. I don't know when it will be. I don't know exactly his pedigree in, in basketball. I'm just having fun talking about, uh, you know, something kind of ridiculous. But, you know, just throw it out there for the uh, entertainment value. Uh, how great would it be to see Bill Murray wear a YSU hat? I just think it would be, be phenomenal. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, take it to the next step if they ever got to the NCAs. And there he is with that. Instead of an X on his uh, hat, he has a... Uh, now, why? You know, what the heck? Just keep going down the hill. Bill Murray, <laughs> watching his son coach in the NCAA tournament, as a head coach, we looked at Northwestern kid going through every sort of emotion during the Gonzaga game oh in the second half. Yeah. I tell you what, though. Yeah, he's going to get some public ribbing for crying, but I tell you what. What extreme passion for a team. And I can relate to that kid oh. because there have been many times at Stambaugh Stadium where one one series I was going through the what the heck did we just do to well there's always next year to wait did we just win that game again you know I'll turn back the clock to the NBA I know exactly what you're talking about and you go back to the 90s and the Cavaliers I mean with uh with Doherty and and, and Price and the gang, and when they made their first run into the playoffs, and they won 55 games that year, they defeated the, the Bulls six times during the regular season. And then they get into the game five, and it's tied. Actually, they're down by one, and Lenny Wilkins calls the greatest play out of bounds in history at that point in the Cavaliers. Just a little give and go, and boom. And it was two seconds long, and it left three and a half seconds left on the clock. And, of course, Michael Jordan went and uh, broke everybody's hearts and uh, really started the role for the uh, the Bulls and the downsend for the Cavs. were uh, unable to climb that mountain. And uh, that will always go down in history, you know, as one of those uh, things. But it was um, you know, that type of emotion. I know that emotion because I called Lenny Wilkins the greatest coach that ever lived. And then three, minute, three seconds later, I'm on the ground crying hands in my head and i'm just like you gotta be kidding me this can't be happening and this didn't just happen even though i i absolutely one of the few people i'll say this and I, and I know i've mentioned this before i was a michael jordan fan when he was at north carolina i truly was i called that shot there he won the national title game on i said they got to get it to jordan and because he, he was a freshman and he was cool as a cat and he did and those who knew me knew how much i dreamt of him coming to Cleveland back in the day. And I knew darn well they never had a shot at him. And <laughs> sure enough, he goes to Chicago to torment us as his entire career. But uh, needless to say, it was fun. You know, a little memory laying there, turn back the clock, and uh, turn back time, you know, all that good uh, music in the past. But uh, it is what it was, and it, and it is what it is. And today we have LeBron James, and we won our championship. And uh, we continue to uh, march forward. We'll get more into the NBA here next month when the uh, playoffs roll around. Right now, we just got to wait until about another couple weeks, three weeks, and the, the NBA season really begins. Is it feasible that in a span of, say, four or five months, that the city of Cleveland could have not one but 
two parades? I mean, could that, that year. Yeah, it could, could that city handle two parades of that magnitude? Oh, a repeat absolutely. championship now, and then the Indians? I think the Cavs got an uphill climb this year. They're not as solid as they were last year. They're a different team. Same players, a little different makeup. They don't have uh, the, really the rim protection that they had in the past. and They're a little different this year built. But, you know, anytime you have uh, number 23, LeBron James, on your team, I don't discount you. No. And, that, and, and that's the bottom line. Why are you winning? Because you have the best player in, in basketball. Maybe the best player ever in basketball. Yes, I said ever, and we just talked about Jordan. I really, truly think when you look at what he has done, you look at what he can do with a basketball. It's just, it's phenomenal. I mean, he was, you know, they called him the chosen one for a reason. And I truly, I've always been amazed by uh, the way he plays the game. It's a different game. He's not the same as a uh, uh, Michael Jordan. He's not the same as a Kobe Bryant. He's not the same as, you know, you get Dr. J or whoever you want to say, you know, from the past or, uh, but what he can do, rebound, run a, run a team, and it be a physical dominance on a team. It's just it's phenomenal, and it's he's he's one of a kind. There's a lot of people who want to follow him, and the balls are one of them. You know, as we we're t- you mentioned earlier, out in uh, California. But the bottom line is, there's only one LeBron James. There's only one Michael Jordan. There's only one Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. There's these things are generational. You're gonna find a great player who dominates, and that's exactly what happens. And you know, Bill Russell. Back in the 60s, before my time. I mean, there's so many of these type of players who actually uh, really, truly, you know, set their mark as the best player in the game. And I just, I honestly, when you get down to it, I, I don't think, I don't know by the time we're done, he's done with his career that he won't be considered the best. It's just, I, I, I can't fathom it not happening because he's just that amazing. No, I agree. Um, <laughs> you got guard on that. Yeah, you did. Uh, <laughs> it, um. As much as it pains me to say this, because very seldomly do I um, praise a Tar Heel, because that's not the blue eye bleed. <laughs> Anybody that knows me knows that I'm not bleeding Carolina blue, but I still go back to the six rings. Oh yeah. And at the end of the day, you're going to be det- you're going to be judged on championships. And right now, Jordan has six and. No, I'm not going to disagree with that. I mean, you can look at... I mean, everyone talks about championships in the NBA. That's how everyone's judged. Not too many team, Not too many people who have led two different teams to, th- you know, two uh, back-to-back appearances. You know, he's been to five straight championship games in a, or a series, as you say, and he has a chance to go to six straight. I mean, that's just... I mean, you're talking, you know, Celtic style here in the 60s when they went to 11 straight. You know, I mean, it's just... It's unfathomable what type of uh, level of basketball you're playing at. It's, it's a long ways away. They have to prove themselves in the, in, the, in the playoffs. The playoffs are around the corner. The NBA, you know, it's my little tweet to the NBA, a little swillicky to them, I should say. You know, but, you know, it's part of, it's part of the, the fabrics of uh, Northeast Ohio, and I think the basketball season is just about to begin here in the next couple of weeks. I mean, the, the full season needs to be played, and it's a tune-up for a team like the, the Cavaliers. In the next two weeks when they make their, their ascension into the playoffs, that's when it's going to matter. That's when the series matters. That's when the defense has to show up for the first time this year. And we'll see if they can turn that switch because I'm not sure they can because they've been trying to outscore everybody the last, I would say, uh, three four months. Yeah, and uh, right now I heard a stat a couple of days ago. The Cavaliers are ranked near the bottom of the NBA in defensive efficiency. Plain and simple, that's not going to get it done. You don't win championships without playing defense. And to flip that switch this time of the year is very difficult. Sometimes it can be done. It has been done in the past. I don't know if it will happen this year. But, you know, we'll wait and see. Let's let it play out. Let the regular season finish and get to it. But uh, looking back at the NCAs where we originally started talking basketball, you got to love the story of Xavier. They are, without a question, the team that everyone's talking about. And, of course, uh, you know, Duke's still alive. Mm-mm. No, I'm sorry. Duke's not alive no more. They lost last week. And I meant to say that. And uh, it's amazing. I, I was going to say all the upsets that we had. And, uh, you know, well, go, go ahead. Yeah, there have been some upsets. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily coin South Carolina over Duke an upset. Seating, yes. Program name, yes. 
history, quote, yes. I history, understand. yes. Yeah. But watching each team this, this year. This season? Okay. As I said yeah, last week to you off the air, South Carolina was a better team, and they are going to win that game. You did. You mentioned it. I told that, and I told everybody till I was blue in the face. South Carolina had the best player on the floor, Vincent Darius Thornwell, and Duke for nearly a decade can't guard explosive guards. Yeah, I mean, period. Yeah, no, you're right. And then you look at I mean, what's going on, you know, obviously, um, you know, Kansas is right now playing phenomenal basketball. They're right now the best team in the country. Yeah. Um, I mean, they won their first I mean, round. Yeah, go, go Yeah. Uh, they won their first round game by 28, beat Tom Izzo by 20, and scored 90. Yes, Michigan State is not great this year, but when you beat a Tom Izzo team in March by 20, that's impressive. And then last night, after struggling for the first 18 minutes or so against Purdue, a good Purdue team, you win by 32? <laughs> I mean, Kansas, who is not known normally as an offensive juggernaut, has scored 100, 90, and 98. Wow. Yeah, I, I mean... Yeah, those are great numbers. In, I mean, that's an offense. That's doing something. And if you get past Oregon and go to the Final Four, you're going to face Carolina, UCLA, or Kentucky. Yeah. All three of those teams struggle defensively. They don't bring it every series defensively. No, and there's no doubt the best team ball being played right now is Kansas. I was looking at my uh, bracket here. That is uh, toilet paper, basically. And, uh, yeah, the Duke has a line through it. I just completely read over it. <laughs> Fortunately, uh, shame on me. Unlike my partner Tim, whose bracket was toast after, say, the second round. Yes, second round. Uh, my bracket is in the 99th percentile on ESPN. Oh, fantastic! Um, I had Duke losing in the second round again. Um, I rode Michigan, Oregon all the way to their um, to their wins. I did have Gonzaga, but I had Arizona. So there's my one. What were you thinking, pick? I thought this was the year Sean Miller's team's going to get to the Final Four, and, well, I was wrong. But I do have Kansas winning it all. I picked them in November as my best team in the country. Um, I picked them when the brackets came out, and I have no reason to believe that they aren't going to win it all. And it wouldn't shock me. I don't think they will do this, but it wouldn't shock me if Candace wins every game by double digits. That's I, how good they are. I made out four brackets. I have one team remaining that's UCLA. We'll see <laughs> what happens. A Frank Mason, <laughs> Justin Jackson, Lonzo Ball matchup in the Final Four would be must-see TV. Three of the best guards in the country all on one floor. Oh, well, I was dreaming. <laughs> I, w I only got a 34 out of 52 rate on this bracket, so enough of that. I don't. I can't <laughs> tell you off the top of my head what I have. <laughs> but 99%. I, kn I know on ESPN uh, I am ranked uh, 50th out of 800,000. So That's not too bad. No, yeah, it's been one. A good year. Yeah, it's been one of my uh, uh, best uh, bracket years. Yeah, I've, I've had. And I have been better the past decade when i learned that you have to stop picking with your heart <laughs> and blindly putting d-u-k-e all the way to the title game is not going to get, get you, you yeah so after vcu and eric mayner uh put a dagger in me i stopped doing that and my brackets have improved all right let's get to this this is something that we talked about at the beginning we haven't mentioned uh, Bernie Kosar uh, made a comment about Dwight Clark, who came out this week and made an announcement that he has been diagnosed, I should say, with ALS. And uh, Bernie, if you know Bernie Kosar, and I happen to have known him many years ago, and I don't know him any longer. It's not like he's. I call up Bernie tomorrow, but I knew the family and I knew Bernie very well back in the day. Bernie has that that offbeat humor, and even he preferences as statement. Uh, that he made about Dwight Clark. And if you know Bernie, that's the way he talks, the way he thinks. And I'm not making a, an excuse for him. I'm just trying to explain a little bit about him that I remember. We've had a bad week in this week. Uh, this is Bernie speaking. Uh, with Gail Sayers being diagnosed with dementia and Dwight Clark with ALS, uh, Bernie went on to say, 
I can make a joke about this about his struggles in picking players when he was here, but it almost makes me wonder maybe he had this from the start earlier. And uh, you know, it's it's a joke, and I realize that it's bad timing and it's it's bad taste. And uh, those who know about ALS knows it doesn't affect your mind; it affects your body. Yeah, and I... uh, it does take away ability to speak and stuff like that. And there's many who uh, suffered from ALS, and it's it's a horrible disease. No one, there's no such thing as a good disease, by the way. No, I want that preference. You know, when people say it's a horrible disease, every disease is horrible. There's no such thing as a good disease, and I know that for a fact, as everybody does. And uh, but you know, we all make mistakes. I've made mistakes behind a mic. Heck, I made the mistake two minutes ago about Duke <laughs> looking at my own bracket. But uh, you know, hey, it happens. People make mistakes. I'm not saying I think he's being blown out of proportion a little bit, but he did. He's Bernie, and that is who he is, and this is what he does. You give him a mic, and you give him an opportunity to speak. He may say something off the wall and something that you cringe at. Does that make an excuse for it? No, that's just who he is. And know who you give a mic to. And you understand when that happens, you may get something you least want to deal with. One thing about Bernie, he won't spew lies. He will tell you how it is. He will not sugarcoat anything. Obviously, what he said was distasteful, and he probably could have said it in a better manner and i think if he could do it over again i think he absolutely would do it over i understand where he's trying to go yeah, but he, he tried to make a joke and it was a but, bad taste yeah and you, it was just the wrong timing and when you do it on a national platform or even a regional platform this was espn cleveland 12 or 850 i believe it is over in cleveland and uh you make the mistake i mean it can happen but again i've said this before when you give an open mic to someone Always know what they're going to say because they may surprise you and they may say something that you don't want. And look, he may try to be a little edgy there and went for this, went for the joke. It didn't happen. I didn't hear the comment. I've only read the comment. You know, later, uh, Bernie did tweet. I absolutely meant no disrespect to Dwight. And I think he was. I think he was trying to truly make a joke and the joke went bad, went sour. Sometimes when you're not a comedian and you have a uh, off-the-wall type personality and humor, a dry humor. Sometimes you you go for it and you, you land flat. He did, I'll give him credit here. And I mean, those who listen to it probably know better than I, but just from the statements that I've read and what I've seen online is, you know, we had a bad weekend with Gail Sayers being diagnosed and Dwight, uh, Dwight Clark with ALS. Now, I could make a joke about his struggles and picking players when he was here, and then he does make the joke when he goes on with the, with the liner. It almost makes me wonder if he maybe started earlier. And, you know, he went for it. Bernie tried to make a million-dollar joke, and it ended up as a 10-cent finish. Yeah, as really. John Collin would say, that and 50 cents will get you a cup of coffee. Yeah, that, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's exactly it. You know, something, like, like I said, I know, I don't think he actually was trying to uh, disrespect the disease nor... Uh, Dwight, I think he was taking a little pot shot and a little joke, and the joke that many Clevelanders probably had in their own mind, Cleveland fans, you know, in the last 20 years. Let's face it, they've gone through quite a few GMs over the years, and Dwight Clark was not at the top of the list. Matter of fact, he may have been at the bottom of the list. Yeah, it's just Bernie being Bernie. Like we said, Manny Ramirez being Manny. It's Bernie being Bernie. Yeah. He just, you know, it. When you put Bernie in front of a microphone, you have to be ready for some outlandish comment to be said. And and I'll say this. I miss him on the football games. I miss him on the preseason games. Because you know what? No one read the defense better in the, in the booth <laughs> and told you what was going to happen. And no one understood what the quarterback needed to do better and explained it. You know, Solomon Wilcox, yeah, he's a pro. He's been doing it for a long time. But you know what? He's boring. He's absolutely trashy, boring. I want somebody who's going to entertain me in a preseason game, especially in the second half when nobody's playing that you care about. You want somebody who can entertain you. And I'll say this, and I will defend Bernie on that level. I miss him doing the games on television because he was entertaining. And, yes, he, uh, like I prefaced before, anytime you have an open mic with certain people, anything can be said. 
Maybe they're saying that about me. <laughs> but you know what? I've been told that before, too. So I'll, I'll defend him on that level. Bernie I don't think makes. He did anything wrong. I, I think you went for a joke and it just absolutely backfired. <laughs> Bernie makes those one in 15 seasons more enjoyable, doesn't he? You know what? <laughs> Preseason games where you can go over four and don't matter, you know that you're just going to get worse. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Hey, the I, line is you want to be entertained on television or on the radio. And in preseason football, you need to be entertained because after the first quarter in most of the games, it does not matter. It is the worst thing on television. I cannot, you know, I just don't care about number 79.6 playing defensive end okay it just does not matter to me yeah i'm gonna root for the local guy when he has the opportunity to return a kick or make a tackle or make a block that who's who's on a roster i'm gonna root for him big time either the former youngstown state player or a local player who has an invitation to an nfl camp i'm gonna root for him 100 percent of the time but if you ask me, as a football fan, do I want to watch that? Oh God, no! <laughs> I, I I could I could sit in front of paint drying and be more entertained. <laughs> yeah, um, I will say this: every time September rolls around the calendar, I thank my lucky stars that my aunt and uncle made me a Denver Broncos fan. <laughs> I thank I thank my uncle every Sunday, win or lose, that I grew up. With a Sammy Weiner, Terrell Davis jersey instead of a dog mask and Brady Quinn and Charlie Fry <laughs> and gotta, Brian Hoyer. I got I to gotta tell you a quick little story. Now, anybody who knows me knows that i football, baseball, basketball guy. I enjoy hockey. I watch it. I don't profess to know a lot about the sport. I enjoy it. I enjoy rooting for it. Actually, about five or six teams in the NHL because I never had a team. I was a Cleveland sports fan basically my entire life. So the Barons were there like two years. <laughs> okay? I don't root for the Penguins. I don't root against the Penguins. And I don't, you know, I when I lived in Columbus, I rooted for the, the Blue Jacks, but I just never had passion for it. And the Blue Jackets are great this year and good for them. And I, I'm looking forward to this run between these two uh Thanks. Well, a friend of mine called me up last week and offered me to go to the game with him uh, to last Sunday to uh, see the Penguins play against uh, the Florida Panthers, no less, Bernie's old team. And uh, so uh, <laughs> another went, team, by the way, that is in last place. So I ended up buying a uh, <laughs> he doesn't own them no more. <laughs> he sold them. He made money when he sold that team, by the way. <laughs> He was an original investor in that. I don't know if you knew that or not. <laughs> no, I did not. That's why I said that. Bernie's old team, the Panthers. I mean that sincerely. He was a minority owner of the Florida Panthers when they first came into existence. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't, like Tim, I don't uh, boast a wide, vari wide variety of hockey knowledge. I will say I have watched the Frozen Four from time to time. When I was dating a particular female and her school was in it, I made the mistake not knowing that Notre Dame was good in hockey one year, and I went to Notre Dame to get something to eat with my cousins wearing a shirt of their opponent that they would lose to in the regional final game. So um, that's my... Extent, huh? Yeah, yeah, I don't... Um, so I went to the game Sunday, and uh, Crosby... Scores a hat trick. Phenomenal game. Fun game. Shut out for the uh, the Penguins. They went four nothing. Crosby with a hat trick, and I just bought a hat. Literally, my first. I, I've had hockey hats in the past, but this is the first one I bought in like twenty years, and I just bought it. Now I'm in the upper bowl, so I didn't throw my hat down because I was I was never going to reach the ice to begin with. <laughs> and I looked at my friend. I said, "I'm not throwing this hat. I just got it, you know." And now, bring the story forward. Monday, I decided to wear it to work. Just, you know, it's a new hat. Got to show it off. <laughs> now, I don't wear black and gold ever. <laughs> now, and I have a friend of mine who's a huge Browns fan. Now, he's just a Browns fan. He's not a Cavs fan. He's not an Indians fan. He's just a Browns fan. God bless him. God bless his yeah, Well, that was uh, his mother, <laughs> when he was young, told him he couldn't be a Cleveland fan because it would break his heart too much. So he could be a Browns fan, but he had to choose other teams. 
<laughs> during <laughs> so anyways i walk in with this hat and he goes oh my god you just broke my heart i says look at the logo look at the logo that is not what you think it is <laughs> but that is uh those who know me know um uh, is not my uh, favorite place in the world actually it's a great town it's a fun town it's a to fantastic be town i'm just not a fan of the uh, sports teams I, I actually root for the uh the Penguins, last year on Facebook, those who knew me, I made up the uh, first ever Cleveland-Pittsburgh truce. We'll go in effect for a second year come April as we get ready for the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs and the NBA championship run for the Cavaliers. Since they're non-competing, one's in basketball, one's in hockey, I made a, I reached out to my friends who are Pittsburgh fans, and I, I flat out told them, and they're not, most of them were hockey fans, but not basketball fans. And I says, all right, here's the deal. I will not root against the Penguins. I will root for the Penguins the entire playoffs. And in return, you must do the same with the Cavs. And I says, we're going to make this work. And it's going to be a truce through June, from April till June, to the end of June, when, they, when both series are over, and we crown a new Stanley Cup champion and a new NBA champion and Look what happened. We have the Stanley Cup in Pittsburgh. We have the Larry O'Brien in Cleveland. And I am throwing that truce back out again this year. If you're a diehard Steeler fan, Pittsburgh fan, and you're a diehard Cleveland fan, it's okay to root for the Penguins. It's because they don't compete. It's a different sport. Cleveland doesn't have hockey. Pittsburgh does not have basketball. So with this non-compete agreement, let's get it going again. The truce may begin, and you could tweet me at Tim Continenza on Twitter and tell me if you agree with me. You can even hashtag it as Radio MVP Pod as we uh, move forward with our thing. If you ever want to reach us, let's try that hashtag. I don't think anybody will do it, but let's give it a shot. Radio MVP Pod. And uh, you could tell me I'm full of shit if you want or you can tell me whatever you want i don't care and we'll have some fun but uh, as far as i'm concerned the truce is uh going back into effect come april 1st as we make our runs uh back to defend the stanley cup and the larry o'brien trophy count me as one who will not be supporting the pittsburgh penguins i don't have anything against them um i think they're a phenomenally run organization with some of the best talent in the NHL, but my friend for now going on five years has shown such extreme passion for the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, that this year I will be firing my cannon in support of the Blue Jackets and supporting CBJ on their run to a possibly a possible Stanley Cup title. So uh, look. I looked for something. <laughs> I couldn't find it. I have my uh, my Columbus Blue Jacket hockey puck that I caught uh, t about ten years ago. But <laughs> so you know, hey, like I said, I'm not a, a hockey uh, guru of any sort. I enjoy it. You know, God bless both teams, and I wish them well. But uh, being the Cap fan that I am, and knowing the, uh, it's funny because um, all my fans who are Steeler fans, and I have friends who are, they are Steelers, Pirates, Penguin fans across the board they are not like have a second team or a third team that they like that's out of the market and most cleveland fans that i've met and we're friends with are cleveland fans through and through meaning browns indians and Cavs. so since we have the non-compete in the two sports i throw out the truce and say you root for my team i'll root for your team and together we can win championships <laughs> and uh it worked last year let's move it on to this year let's have some fun guys it's the NFL season is going to come upon us as it's going to be draft time. It is Cleveland Super Bowl coming up, <laughs> and we have the NBA championship run coming up here for the Cavaliers. We have the Stanley Cup run here for the Penguins. It should be a lot of fun. we got a new head coach coming to Youngstown State very soon. It has been a fun hour here, my friend, as we uh, move forward. Uh, get, let's try to wrap this up. Tell me some of your last thoughts, and we'll uh, yeah, just get you some, going uh, out of here. I don't want to call it breaking news yet, but Duquesne is looking for a new basketball coach as well, um, and they are keying in or zoning in on Akron's Keith Dambrot. 
which would be a I don't think he's going to leave. A surprising move. Akron's one of the best programs in the MAC, and is that a step down to go to Duquesne? I don't think he's going to leave. Yeah, I don't know if it's a step down, but I don't think he's going to leave. I think he's entrenched in Akron. I mean, you're talking about a guy who started at you know St. V's, you know, moved on to uh, to Akron, and has been there for a long time and has been successful. Here's a guy who I think might be a lifer. Yep, I really truly do. I'm not saying he couldn't take an, another job. I heard he's turned down other jobs and opportunities the last, you know, 10, 12 years that he's been there. So I'm not surprised that his name's being bounding about, and I'm not surprised that uh, schools are interested in him and want to talk to him. I would be surprised if he takes the job. Yeah, um, I don't think he'll leave Akron. Uh, like you said, I think he's a lifer there. Maybe if Mata is not successful in the next couple of years, he's an Ohio State target, but I don't see him going to Duquesne. I don't. No, I, I I see him back on the Akron sideline next year. Yeah. Um, when or if possibly YSU makes a return trip there. Just a quick shout-out to the Youngstown State softball team. A doubleheader sweep today at home of Oakland, 4-1 to one and 8-1. to one. Uh, so, so, so congrats to Lady Penguin softball team on two big wins going for the sweep tomorrow. Fantastic. I love, love the Penguins. Can't wait to see what happens in the baseball season, too. And, uh, of course, talking baseball real quick. Uh, Ramirez for the Indians just signed a four-year, twenty-six million dollars, thirty deal. million, thirty million, thirty million. Um, he signed through two thousand twenty-three now, um, and last year, I know a That's couple not my years money. ago, I don't care how much money? <laughs> you know, it could be a hundred million. A couple years ago, a bit. it's not my money. It's good for him. I'm just glad he signed for four years. I know in two thousand fifteen, though, in April and May, when he was hitting. 200, 205, I was like, wait, this is the guy that we're keeping up instead of Francisco Lindor? And now on March 24th, 2017, he is one of the best third basemen in the American League and one of the team MVPs last year. It's funny how baseball works. If you get a shot um, and find your niche, it's funny how, you know, Ramirez is now starring at third base, and Lonnie Chisholm, who used to be a third baseman, is right becoming a very good right fielder. Yeah. Um, it's all part of the game. You have to be able to adapt. Yeah, and we are. make changes. In baseball, more than any other sport, you have to adapt and make changes. Every at-bat, every opportunity, every position you play, yeah, especially a young player, you have to be versatile. And that was what Ramirez was. You know, he played the outfield. He played third base. He's a second baseman by nature. So, uh, you know, he's a middle infielder. So, yeah, you got to take advantage of what he can do. And uh, last year he earned the opportunity to become a third baseman on an everyday basis. Looks like that's what he'll do this year. They're not going to move him to second base. Why Kip is uh, healing, which is probably a smart move, mm-hmm. and uh, go from there. We'll see exactly how that turns out. There's a lot of time left in the baseball season, about 10 more days. Yeah, we have. Before the opening day. And uh, we have the Final Fours coming up here in a week. So uh, let's plan to try to get back here and maybe preview the Final Four or at least the championship game as uh, that'll be uh, week Monday. So let's uh, wrap it up. And thank you all for listening here on Radio MVP. Uh, sports this is episode number two i thank you all for downloading and putting up with my uh my rants but you'll get used to them i'm i'm very very good at them i got anthony here in, in stitches at times as i'll go from uh from one extreme to another but it's that's what we do we're gonna have some fun here and i hope you all enjoy it you can tweet me at tim continenza i'm on instagram the same way you can find me on facebook so uh, with that i'll just turn it over to anthony say his uh Two minutes. Yeah, uh, with baseball season, my favorite season, less than now 10 days away, the World Baseball Classic is over, and we have no injuries to report. No Grady Sizemores, no no injuries. Santana was crushing the ball. Lindor was an absolute stud. Andrew Miller is Andrew Miller, and they all come together on one team now that we, that we can all get behind. So, yeah, that's a big thing when I watch World Baseball Classic. No injuries. No injuries to our key guys. Yeah, you know, I, I, f- I won't say I forgot about it. It's just, it is a, it's a growing thing. I think it has an opportunity to get better. I'm not 
It was once every four years. It's fine. And it's great for the sport. And it's tough on the teams that involve the players. That's all 30 teams. So that's just part of baseball now. And, uh, no, it was great to see the Americans win. It's great to see Puerto Rico get back to the championship game and do what they did and uh, watch both uh, teams full of Indians uh, do well. Yeah. Um, one last closing thought. I've never been a huge proponent of the World Baseball Classic, but this year it kind of intrigued me a little more. Um, I probably will watch more closely in 2021. So, yeah, thanks for tuning in tonight, guys. Um, it was an absolute pleasure uh, to discuss Youngstown State and their search for a men's basketball coach and uh, the NCAA tournament gearing up towards its culmination, um, its biggest weekend of the year. And uh, with baseball drawing near and us uh, sports getting their playoff gears up. So um, can't wait to be back next week as we crown a champion in college basketball. And I think we probably will have a new men's basketball coach at YSU. So a lot of exciting things to talk about. We will definitely get together as soon as possible once we find out what Youngstown does at the head coaching uh, position. Again, we both uh, are pulling for Calhoun to take that job. We're hoping that's the case. We'll see what happens. And uh, we'll get into more of the NCAs and everything else. And uh, once again, you can find me on Twitter at Tim Continenza. And I'm at ACAP17. Don't really tweet much. But with this show, I probably will start doing so more. Um, and you can follow me on Instagram also at ACAP17. And take a look at my trips to... Different games. Uh, the YSU spring game coming up I will be at. Hopefully a lot of Indians games, uh, scrappers games, and we'll we'll be discussing it all. All right, for Anthony, I'm Tim. We'll catch you next time. You have been listening to the Radio MVP Sports Pod. This was episode number two. Talk to you soon. Good night.